Luckily, the Lord gave me something, and I'm actually really excited about this. It's something that's been stirring on my heart for a while. So let's go to Romans 12. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're just going to read verse 1 and verse 2 out of the New Living Translation. Um, and Let's see here. New Living. All right. You guys are quiet this morning. You guys, you guys okay? Is it the rain? Can you guys make a little noise? Ah! Thanks, Galio. Appreciate that. All right. All right, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. Check this out. This is truly the way to worship him. Worship is more than coming here and raising our hands and singing songs or speaking songs because maybe some of us can't sing, right? It's more than that. It's living a life acceptable to God. Every day, every moment is a chance to worship him. We worship him not only, like I said, with raised hands, but our conduct, our speech, how we treat people, right? Amen? Uh, Let's go to the second verse. It says, do not copy the behavior And if you have your Bibles, underline, you know, highlight this word, customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to go back up to where it says, don't copy the behavior or customs of the world. I looked up the word customs, and one of the many, many definitions of it was a thing that one does habitually. The title of my sermon is Hack the Habit. Hack it out. What does that mean? Well, it means cough it out. Spit it out. Get rid of it. Hack that habit. It's kind of gross and disturbing. As I was thinking of times that I would hack, you know, everybody, anybody ever came down with a cold, right? And I just remember my grandma, every time I'd, I'd have this cold, and I wouldn't want to cough very hard because it would hurt, you know, the chest. I'm like, I would go, no, cough it out, mijito, cough it out. Get it out, get that phlegm out. I'm like, no, it hurts. You got to get it out. Get, it, get that phlegm out. I'm like, oh, my goodness, this lady going to kill me. I feel like I'm hacking it out, which is exactly what I was doing. But how many know you need to hack the stuff out? So that way you can breathe, so that way you can speak, so that way you can get all that nasty stuff out. You got to hack it out, right? And it's not pretty, it's gross, and yeah, it's gross. And, but how many of you know this is what a habit can be like that you need to get rid of? It's not an easy thing. Sometimes you have to sever it, like Jesus said, cut your arm off or pluck your eye out. Uh, the first time I read that, I'm like, that's disturbing as well. I don't want to do that. But <laughs> I'm going to have, like, no limbs or anything by the time I'm done in this life. <laughs> the first time I read that. But how many know that's exactly what a habit is like, a bad habit? We need to hack it out, right? Look at your neighbor and say, hack the habit. Look at that other neighbor that you don't like very well and say, hack the habit. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this today. <laughs> Daniel didn't look at Greg. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to 
preach this, and it's actually something the Lord laid on my heart earlier this week, is because he said, people in this church are one good habit away from going full steam ahead into the successful life God wants for you. Did you know your life is made up of tiny, small habits? Think, think about the last normal day you had. Maybe it was Thursday, like a work day, or if you're retired, like, I don't know what that looks like because I'm not there yet. Um, but you probably saw go through my day. I get up. Um, I try to go to the gym. It's, I'll get to that in a minute. But if I don't do that, I usually always, you know, if I need a shower, I shower, and then I make my shake. I always have the same shake every day, put my strawberries, bananas, all that. Then I go to work, stuff happens at work, maybe you don't act the way you want to act at work, or maybe you do, you had a good day, and you come back, cook dinner, blah, blah, blah. So you're thinking about that right now, right? What's a normal day for you? Well, it's made up of probably things you do every day, right? right? Good or bad. And that, that's what habits are crucial. And this is something the Lord started dealing with me about a year ago last year. He started to dis- dissect my habits. And when you dissect someone's habits, you're dissecting their life, right. right? He wanted me to focus on leadership and habits. And those two go hand in hand because in the middle of that is some, a little word called discipline, right? If you want to establish a new habit, and hack the old, you're going to have to be disciplined, right? Tom Brady's playing in the Super Bowl for like the 20th time. Why? Because he's disciplined with what he eats. I looked up what he ate. I said, no way. I'm like, this guy's crazy. He doesn't even eat peppers because he's on an anti-inflammatory diet. And I like peppers. I like grilling my peppers. So I'm not there yet. But the reason he can still play and he's almost 42 and the reason we don't like it is because he's disciplined, more disciplined than us. Really what the root issue is, is we don't really like Tom Brady. We like, we don't like how he's there, right? Because he's doing things that we don't want to do, right? The reason he looks better now than he did when he was 30 is because of his habit, his habits, right? And that, and I I don't want to get to it right now, but I'll say it comparison is a killer to having a successful life. The moment you start comparing yourself to somebody else, <laughs> getting ahead of myself, but you, you're in the middle of an identity crisis. And that's going to be my first step. But before I get there, I have one more thing I need to say. If there's anything else that you, remember, if that you don't remember or that you forget, there's this, this one thing that I want you to remember today. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Right? I want you to, like, mark that down, remember it, because that's, that's a huge key. And we're going to look at people in the Bible today and what they did. Because at first it doesn't seem like a super spiritual message, but if you look at the successful people in the Bible, successful people in the world, they have a system, they have, a, they have good habits, right? Amen? All right, so the first step to hacking the, whole, the old habit and building new ones is identifying your identity. Like I, it all comes out of who you believe you are. Because if you have a downgraded version in your mind of who you are, you are going to live that out. Right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If you have a 
low self-esteem, a low, a low identity crisis of who you are, it's going to come out. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. You can't keep hiding behind the mask of everything's okay. Really, you're thinking, I'm lazy. I'm not good with money. Hmm? What else? What else? I can't go to church. I'm going to burn the place down as soon as I walk through there. <laughs> right? But what does that do? Stops you from going to church, keeps you from spending more money at the mall because you're identifying that you have a problem with it. Right? Oh, I have an anger problem. And you just keep day after day treating people bad because you're identifying yourself as an angry person. But how many of you know if we are in Christ, old things have passed away, all things have become new. So the first step is you need to set who goals, not do goals. Who are you going to be? Who do you want to be? Right? Because the who comes before the do. You can't set a goal if you're not... um, confident in who you are. Amen? All right. So let's go to Romans 7. I did not give you this scripture in the back. I'm sorry. This is the only one I didn't give. The Lord gave me this this morning. And I went to this scripture about a year ago, actually, kind of funny. I was looking at my iPad. And um, we see here Paul is struggling with his identity. And this, these passages of scriptures here made me way more thankful for chapter 8, these verses in chapter 7. And I went to it about a year ago, and I'm going to go to it again because it's powerful. All right, so let's start in verse 14, and I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. Thanks. Um, Romans 7, verse 14, and we're just going to read until 25. He says, so the trouble is not with the law. For it is good and spiritual. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. (laughs) I always feel like that most of the time. I don't really understand myself, and I want to do what is right, but I don't. How many of us can say that? I want to do what's right, but I just, I can't. I can't. We're not done yet, right? He's just getting out. He's getting out his phlegm right now. He's hacking it. He's hacking it. You know, if you want to change something, you have to identify that you have a problem, Come on. right? And that's not a bad confession. That's just admitting that you need help. Yeah. Amen? All right. Instead, he says, I do what I hate. I'm too lazy. I can't get to work on time. I keep eating the, ba- the bad things. But if I know what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if, this is, this is like, a, I'm reading like a, what's that thing in the paper when somebody dies? Yeah, I'm reading a obituary right now. But it's like, is this the same guy? Is this the same dude? But he's hacking it. And this is, we got we to do this before we can get to chapter 8, right. right? But if I do what I don't want to do, I am really not the one doing what is wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principal thing in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. 
I inevitably keep getting to work five, ten minutes late. I inevitably keep eating all the brownies and cookies. And I inevitably don't go to work or don't go to church because I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. See? See what he's saying here? If you keep thinking this way, it's your lifestyle. And then pretty soon, ten years down the, the road, you're wondering, why did I get to this point? It's because you didn't hack it. You didn't get it out. Where am I at here? Uh, Verse 21, uh, 22. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Woo! Woo! But he didn't stop there. And I said this last year. How many of us stopped there? How many of us stay in this cycle? Right? Right? How many of us just stay in this cycle of bad habits, bad things we do that we just get frustrated with ourselves? But what does he say the answer is? Next verse. Thank God. The answer is in who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he goes on to write, in my opinion, the greatest chapter in the Bible. But what, what did he have to do? He had to identify that he had a struggle, right? And that's what we need to do today is we need to identify what we're struggling with so that way we can get the answer on it. And who's the answer? Jesus. Jesus. But guess what? Jesus isn't going to help you if you don't want help. And the first step to getting help is identifying the problem. Identifying things you need to improve. Amen. And not staying stuck there, but saying, God, your grace is sufficient for me. I'm going to walk out of this in victory. Amen? So who are we in Christ? I'm going to kind of go through these quickly. If you can go there, great. Um, But I don't want to take too long with this. Um, Who are we in Christ? Number one, let's go to Galatians 2.16, New Living Translation. I put about five things here. Really, there's a lot more. And the first step is identifying who you are, identifying your identity. If you're a born-again believer of God, believer of Jesus Christ, who is your Lord, you are something. You are someone, right? You are powerful. You need to shift your thinking, like it said. Get your mind off the behaviors and customs of this world. You need to stop saturating yourself with the world's things and saturate yourself with what God thinks about you. Amen? So what's the first thing? Galatians 2.16, New Living Translation. Um, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Number one, you are made right with God. That should be enough in and of itself to to lift you up. What does that mean? It means you're not going to hell. It means your eternity is forever set to go to heaven because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? That you don't have to live a life, live an eternity of torment, but you get to live a life in freedom. And I don't know how to describe heaven, but probably the most beautiful place. Actually, it is the most beautiful place you'll ever see. Amen? You've been made right with God. How many of you guys thankful for that? Amen. 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 Number two, Romans 8.37 Who are we in Christ? 
Romans 8, 37, I'm doing this out of the New King James Version. New King James, Romans 8, 37. Second thing, what does it say here? Yet in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. What does that mean? You don't get mowed down <laughs> by life. It may hit you, but you hit back. And you knock it out with one punch, right? Next time life comes at you, it may hurt. It may do a kidney blow, right? Because the devil doesn't play fair. But guess what? You're just one punch away from your victory. Amen? Amen? Your punch takes out his head. He's headless after you take your shot at him. But you have to, what, what, what do we have to do here? We have to identify that. That's who we are, right? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What's the third thing? Ephesians 2.6, New King James Version. Ephesians 2.6. Are you guys getting excited about this? Because this is who you are. And it may seem repetitive, but you have to keep these things in front of you every day, believe it or not. Because the devil's always going to be coming to you saying, you're not good enough, right? You can't get over that. You treated that person terribly. That's who you are. No, 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 no. I may have done that. I need to see, say sorry, but that's not who I am. That, that act doesn't define my life. Amen? What's, what are we on? Three? Three. What does it say here? You are raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are seated with Christ. Isn't that great? You are seated positionally with the Father right now. With Jesus, excuse me, with Jesus at the Father's right hand. Isn't that amazing? Jesus, uh, the Father said he'll put everything under Jesus' feet. Well, if you're with him, that means everything's under your feet. Isn't that amazing? He loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. That's awesome. That's who you are. We're going to keep going because this is good, right? You guys liking this? Good. Number four. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, again out of the New King James Version. And again, there's a whole lot more than five, but this is to get you guys started, and you guys got to do your homework on who you are, because the Bible says a whole lot about who you are in Christ. Number four, what does it say? Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Number four, you are a winner. Isn't that awesome? Well, in life, you win some, you lose some. No, 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 no. Just because the devil scored a touchdown doesn't mean he won the game. Amen? You have to keep the end game in, mind, in your mindset. This, this, today may have... Pastor's not here. Sucked. Today may have sucked, but that doesn't mean tomorrow is going to. Right? <laughs> yeah, he is going to listen to me. But I'm serious. That's how we feel sometimes, right? How, by how we acted, by how somebody treated us. And guess what? That's not who we are, though. We're not defeated. We are winners. We are victorious. Say, I'm a winner. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Right? Right? You're a winner. Say, I'm a winner. Sometimes you'll have to say that 10, 20, 30, 50 times a day, right? Whatever it takes. 
Because you're a winner. Amen. Amen. Doesn't matter what your business looks like. You're a winner. Amen. All right, number five. First John 5, 4, New King James Version. First John chapter 5, verse 4, New King James Version. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Number five, you are an overcomer. Now, you're not just more than a conqueror, because that would have been cool enough. You are an overcomer. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? You can overcome any bad habit, because if you're in Christ, you're born of God, and you have this little thing called faith, and you can use it to overcome. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? You guys need to be a little more excited about this because this is who you are, right? Right? And it's, I think sometimes those of us who've been coming to church for a while, we think, oh, that's great. Well, does your life show that you believe that? Are you just here listening, knowing it, but are you believing it, right? I'm challenged with this daily. Do I believe who God says I am or do I believe the bad stuff that I keep doing, hmm? the bad stuff that other people say I am, or am I going to believe the good report, right? Am I going to believe the report that God said in his word, right? And if you want to know more, read your Bible. That's five things. There's a lot more. There's a whole lot more who he says. So if you need a confidence booster, read your Bible. <laughs> Amen? All right, second step. So the first step was identifying your identity. The second step is create a system. And I said that a little bit earlier because I was getting ahead of myself, just getting so excited. Create a system. Let's go to Daniel 6, and we're just going to read one verse. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 out of the New King James Version. Daniel was a good guy. I like Daniel because he wasn't in the ministry, full-time ministry. He was a politician, right? He, he was your average Joe type of guy. You know, I, I like Daniel. But what did Daniel do? Daniel 6, verse 10. It said, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. What, what writing was he talking about? The writing that if you were praying, short version, to another god, and not to the king, I think. Um, I didn't do, not to the king, right? Um, you were going to die. You were going to get thrown in the lion's den. That's not good. So how many of us would have done this if we knew that? The next time we prayed, we probably were going to get eaten by a pack of lions. Probably not me, because I'm not there yet, and I'm being honest. So, um, But Daniel was there. Why was he there? Check this out. And in his upper room and his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down. His windows were open, so he's like, come and get me. Right? Right? I don't care what you think, because I know who I am in Christ. He knelt down on his knees three, what does he say? Three times that day. And he didn't just do it that day. That was his system. That was his custom. Check this out. And prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So a lot of us may have a goal this year to pray more. It's not bad to have goals. Goals is the start. But you need a system to um, put them into action. I'm not just going to pray more, right? What am I going to do? 
I'm going to pray three times a day. And guess what? You have this cool thing called a smartphone, and you can set times to remind you to pray. Utilize the technology, right? It's not all bad. It can be used for good. But you need to create a system if you want to, to fulfill your goals, right? Maybe you want to um, get to work on time. I keep using that because that's one I need to work on. <laughs> um, set your alarm 10 minutes earlier. How are you going to do it? Create a system. You want to come to church more, right? Try to create a system. What can I move in my week to make this happen, right? You never heard, you never heard Jesus, you never heard Daniel, you never heard David say, well, golly, I just wish I had more time to pray. Man, you never heard, did you ever hear him say that? Or, re, or did you ever read about them saying that? No? How many of us say that, though? Wow, I wish I had more time to pray. Wow, Peter, man, Peter is just ugh, terrible. I just got to deal with him all day. I got to deal with these sons of thunder, whatever they were called. They got to just, they want to cast brimstone down. It's like, I got to feed these guys. When am I going to have time to pray? He made time to pray, right? But it wasn't something that he established when he became a minister. It was his custom. It was Jesus's custom to be in the, um, in church every Sabbath day. That was his custom, right? Think about this. You're perfect, and you're going to go to an imperfect church. What's our excuse, right? That's powerful. Well, those people didn't treat me right. Think about Jesus. People treated him bad all the time, and he still did it, you know? He still went to church. Isn't that awesome? Say, I'm like Jesus. Okay. Um, So let's just go to Jesus. What about Jesus? Luke 6. Verse 12, again, I'm just going to use the example of prayer, but you can use this in whatever habit maybe you want to establish as you're hacking out the the old habit. Luke 6, verse 12, out of the New King James Version. What does it say here? Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued to pray and continued in prayer to God all night. Wow. I like to sleep. That's rough. (laughs) But guess what? I believe this was right before he was about to pick the apostles. Kind of a big decision, right? Kind of a big decision. And he made the time to pray at night. He made the time to pray. Isn't that good? You know, it's like big decisions in our lives. We need to find time to pray. But guess what? I believe this wasn't the only time he did it. Well, it wasn't in Scripture. The other time was before um, he walked on water. He went up to um, a mountain to pray by himself. He took time to spend time with God. He took the time. He made a priority. It was his habit. It was his custom. We want these big dreams and goals and aspirations, but it's made up of the tiny, small decisions and habits you make every day every day every day the the small decisions the small it's it's like you know pastor talks about when you know when you're playing out in the ocean you can easily get caught up in you know the waves right 
you'll be messing around and all of a sudden you're half a mile <laughs> from where you were. It's like, well, the beach looks the same, but that's not the same people there. It's like, uh-oh, where was I at? Sometimes you wake up 15 years from now wondering where you were at, but really it was the small decisions, the small habits that got you there. It didn't happen in one day, right? Right? But how many of you can change that? That's exciting. You can change you. Isn't that good news? Amen. Let's, uh, well, let's just read about Jesus again in Matthew 14, 22. This was the one, um, just so you don't take my word for it. Matthew 14, 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Uh, next verse, please. Sorry, 23 as well. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to what? To pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. Well, I just feel tired all the time. I'm lethargic. I'm lazy. Are you getting charged up? Because prayer charges you up. You know, spending time with God charges you up. I know when I'm not spending enough time with God, I definitely feel it, like, throughout my day, throughout my week. Um, Definitely more lazy than I usually am. I'm working on it, praise God. But I just feel more, just something's missing. And he never let, let it get to that point. He always had time. Right? Is that good? It's getting a little quiet in here. I might be pushing on something but that it's it's good to be challenged because you can never fulfill your destiny in your comfort zone i said it said that last time you you can never fulfill your destiny in your comfort zone if you want to be comfortable you're going to stay where you're at but you got to keep pushing i remember in uh weights class it was terrible we would end leg day and i went to central and they have these stairs in the middle of, um, of the school. And we would have to grab weights and run up the stairs, run, run up the stairs, run back down, run up the stairs, run back down like 10 times. So I think, I can't even remember, I think I grabbed like 225 dumbbells. So it was like 50 pounds. That's a lot when you're going upstairs 20 times, ending your workout. So you already did all the other stuff. That wasn't comfortable, but that made me stronger, right? We're going to have to do things that make us stronger that aren't necessarily make us more comfortable, right? But guess what? We can do it because we know who we are in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer, right? You are seated with him in heavenly places. See, when you start analyzing the do goals, you got to keep remembering who you are, Because it's going to look like a big mountain, but you can throw mountains out of the way, right? Right? Amen. All right. Last step, step three, is you have to win the battle in your mind. Because every day you're going to have thoughts come into your mind of you can't do it, of how worthless you are, um, and whatever else may plague your mind, right? Right? But what, what does the Bible say about that? 2 Corinthians 10, and we're going to start in verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, and we're going to read um, till verse 5 out of the New King James. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but what? Mighty in God. 
for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does it say here? Bringing every, not every other thought or every tenth thought, no, every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that good? See, that almost seems impossible. Like, how do you cast down every thought? Like, just sitting here, you've probably had thousands of thoughts. Probably half of them not so good. Just kidding. Hopefully not. But you have the ability to do that because of who you are, right? And who lives inside you. How many of you guys know, if you're born again, you have who? The Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He's the comforter. He's the advocate. He's the what? He's the helper. Helper means he's there to help, right? Sounds simple, but how many of us utilize the Holy Spirit? You know, whenever he's talking to us throughout the day, hey, don't do that. And we still do it anyway. Hey, maybe you should do this instead. Oh, no, I didn't do that. But if you were more in tune with who's inside of you, you'll start making the adjustments needed. You'll start analyzing who you are, you'll start creating a system on how to do it, and you'll be able to bring down every thought and win the battle in your mind. The battlefield is up here. Every day, can't tell you how many times I have to cast down thoughts every day. Every day. Some days I'm like, man, this is getting old. And sometimes it's like when I get up, first thing in the morning, as soon as I open my eyes, and the devil's right there, telling me some bogus junk. It's like, really, you want to start right now? All right. But we got the armor of God, right? We got the helmet of salvation. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Our feet are shrouded in the gospel of peace. We have the shield of faith. We have the sword of the spirit. Am I forgetting one? No, I think that's all of them. Belt of truth. We have the belt of truth. You got to put that armor on every day. Every day. Because the devil doesn't play fair. He will kidney shot you all day long if he can. Doesn't play fair. But you don't have weapons of warfare in the flesh. Your weapons are mighty. They say mighty in God, right? So you can do this. You can become a person that can cast down arguments, that can hack habits, and fulfill them with good ones because of who you are. And that's the biggest thing is identifying who you are. It all starts with who before the do. It all starts with who before the do. All right, a couple last points here before because we got communion. Um, I'm going to say this again. Cast down the lie that good, small decisions or actions don't make a difference. That's one thought you're going to have to cast down every day. That good, small, maybe minuscule things don't make a difference. They do every day because guess what? It's like, I don't know if this is appropriate, but it was like Jenga. I just imagine, you know, you're setting up the Jenga tower. You can't do it with just one block, but, you know, as you keep going, it keeps getting taller and taller and taller, right? But it starts with those little blocks, right? Every day you're building your Jenga tower, right? Isn't that good? Because that's all, that's all it is, is your life is made up of those little pieces that you make every day that you put on top, right? And then when 
you make bad choices, you start pulling them out, <laughs> and then your Jenga tower falls. <laughs> but I should play that game. That sounds like fun now. Um, last thing is, I said it earlier, but I wanted to get this in you again, is comparison is a killer to having a successful life. You got to cast down thoughts of comparing yourselves to other people because you're not that other person. You're not your spouse. You're not your siblings. You're not your coworkers. You're not your friends. You're you. And guess what? You have your own story, right? That's one thing the Lord has told me about since I'm going to become a parent. He said, son, Judah is going to make mistakes. You're not going to like it. You're not going to agree, but you can't try to make him a robot. He said, you're going to have to let him have his own story. And trust me. Trust that you're going to be the parent you need to be. And trust that I'm going to be the parent. Because guess what? He's really my kid. You know? Isn't that good? So let's just stand up.